Bruce is a shithole. Bruce is not a shithole. Bruce is a shithole. Ray, we've only just got off the fucking train. Could we reserve judgment on Bruce until we've seen the fucking I place? know it's going to be a shithole. Hey guys, welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. John here. This week, Andrew returns and we take a deep dive into 2008's In Bruges, written and directed by Martin McDonough. I actually had to stop myself from dubbing in the whole movie on this episode. The dialogue is so rich and so funny. This film is just fantastic, from its writing, its lighting, and its landmark performances, and a score is so great. It's definitely one of the best Hitman films I've ever seen. As always, find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BSP Film Podcast. Let's just jump right in, though. So crawl out of the alcoves, grab a pint, and book a trip as we go in Bruges. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark. Not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. We're tonight's entertainment. Get some serious gourmet. Shoot! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I lose you. You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! Okay, folks, we're back at it again. We're continuing our crime hitman journey uh, within Bruges. Where's Bruges? It's in fucking Belgium. <laughs> I have Andrew back in back in here with me, and uh, we'll get to in Bruges. But you're just telling me about your uh, your current gaming gaming uh, uh, forte. Oh yeah. Well, I, I use video games. Not only I've been playing video games all my life. My dad plays video games he plays like fallout 4 and your dad does yeah he's got his own dual monitor curve monitor setup he built his own pc he's been building computers since i was a kid oh okay it's funny because he was he's an he's an air defense artillery dude in the army huh. stinger missile guy and when he comes back you know out of the field he's just he'll play video games with me so that's pretty cool him and i like bonded over uh playing command and conquer and red alert oh wow those games that was our 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 forte we him and i would like we 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 learned how to land party and my dad and i would play against each other and real time kind of fun especially when you're far away so oh, yeah so my daughter and i like she's she's a product of her age group she loves fortnite oh boy and uh roblox mm-hmm. so i got fortnite i got roblox and i'm by comparison to her level and her friends level i'm just complete hot garbage mm-hmm. um i'm getting better and I'm I'm teaching her because we'll play duos on Fortnite. I don't know if you ever played Fortnite. Mm-hmm. I have once. We'll play we'll play duos where it's just you and, you and your buddy partner up. You get your supplies and resources and weapons, yeah. and you'll go until you get killed. Mm-hmm. And um, we're getting better. Uh, she's getting better at. I'm teaching her more about strategy, and she's teaching me more about where to find the goods and where, you know, and how to kind of navigate the game because she understands the interface way better mm-hmm. than I do. But um. Yeah, like, are you always, what kind of games are your your preference, though? Like, are you, like, a so, open-world RPG? So, or? my game my game styles of preference, I have two. And that's the one that I play with my dad, which is Grand Strategy games, like the Total War series, where you, um, and because I'm I, my dad and I are both total history nerds, 
Mm-hmm. My favorite one is Rome 2, where I can basically recreate uh, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. And then I can, um, where you're creating city-states, and you have armies, and you can go into these battles yeah. where you're basically an overhead commander, and you're controlling units on a battlefield, and you can actually recreate all of these awesome you know, historical battles, and then actually get to have them play out for you so you can, you know, set up pincer maneuvers and, you know, hammer and anvil tactics that Alexander the Great used and, you know, recreate the Battle of Caeni where, you know, the, the pincer maneuver really became prominent and you can live out these things and then recreate them in different <laughs> ways. So I like playing out like the, you know, the Romans, their rise right. and fall. I like playing as the Germans, you know, the, basically orchestrating the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, I love playing Alexander the Great. Or from his like Macedonia, and kind of conquering the world as them. You can play as the Spartans, huh. and you know conquer the world as Spartans and all kinds of it stuff. Kind of reminds me like I grew up playing all kinds of video games, but the the lane you're speaking in reminds me of um, Age of Empires, Empire Earth, Civilization. Mm-hmm. So I and I've played both of those all pretty thoroughly too, and the the difference I guess between the those and and. The Total War series is the Total War is like almost it's turn based, kind of like how Civilization is, uh-huh. but more of the emphasis is put on the battles themselves because like Civilization is just like you know chance based really and percentage based. Mm-hmm. This one it's you're you're playing on a terrain battlefield, so you can use a terrain to your advantage. You know if your uh, you know elevation has its advantages, forests have their advantages. Each unit has specific traits, and. So, I'll give you an example. Something that I used to love doing is there's I would have basic level uh, line infantry, but you haven't yet researched how to fire online with each other. So you, but you research like plug bayonets so they can't fire. Right. So I would have I would have them fire two volleys, plug bayonets, and just go straight into them while they're trying to reload. Still. How long have you been playing these kind of games? Years. Years. So, but since I was. I want to say five. Oh, yeah. So I, I started playing. It's been a while. Yeah, real time <laughs> strategy games with like uh, Command and Conquer and Red Alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I switched and I I made my own transition to real time strategy, and then uh, or grand strategy, which is you know your campaign takes place over the entire world, and then my dad and I when we first got the like an Xbox three sixty, the Elder Scrolls games like Oblivion oh, and God. Morrowind. And Skyrim. So we, I started with those are exhausting games. I know. Well, my my dad and I have played both uh, Oblivion and Skyrim backwards and forwards, you know, multiple yeah. times. And that's and then he loves the Fallout series. So we started the Fallout. I've never played the Fallout series. He, I like I, my. I have friends mm-hmm. left and to the right that are up and down. So good, so good. And I believe him. I just haven't. So yeah, and my dad's got a, gotten into modding now. So oh. he loves like modding his uh, Fallout Four game and my earliest experience with modifying games was I remember playing Doom on PC and and then my grandfather so my grandfather owned a series of video stores I'll get to the point he had a series of video stores he owned which is where a lot of my movie exposure came from but while he was waiting on customers he was in his back on his computer playing Doom really? so he would show me Doom all and I I. Learn like the God code and all the 
code to get all the keys. And then yeah. he showed me, uh, I guess a, a friend of his or associate of his brought in a modded version of Doom. And it was like, you could play like as the Simpsons or like, oh, as, as mm-hmm. Homer or you could, you could fight Barney or it was like um, huh. the presidents. Yeah. And it was just, I thought it was just kind of silly and fun. Mm-hmm. But now like these days people have all kinds of weird, crazy shit. Oh yeah, that it's a it's a word I really don't know much about. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that and and like I I recently because none of my friends are as nerdy about history as I am, and they don't care about recreating the fall yeah, of the Roman people. Empire. And I was like, whatever. So I I also play a lot of uh, like first person shooter games, but okay. like realistic first person shooters. So not so much like Call of Duty, but we have this game called Escape from Tarkov. And it is a terrifyingly real game with the oh, way yeah. you, the mechanics of it. Um, and I'll just give you one a kind of idea of how realistic the game is because the sound design in the game is amazing. Right. You have to have headphones to play because, you know, if I'm running through a forest and I brush up against a bush, everybody can hear it kind of oh, deal. Sh- and so to give you an idea of how real the game is, say so you, you go in... You load up your character, you have magazines, you have to have a vest on to put your magazines in. Mm-hmm. You, have, you can have a backpack, but if you put your magazine in your backpack, you can't reload because your magazines are in your backpack, so they got to be on a chest rig. Right. And if you run out of ammunition, you can bring spare bullets in, but you have to go find a bush or somewhere to hide and click, click, oh. click, and your character's sitting there that just like that sucks. loading <laughs> magazines because like you didn't bring enough ammu- magaz- loaded magazines, and mm-hmm. I could be walking by, and I could hear that clicking, and I can just turn to that bush and light the bush up and keep going. Nice. And like it's, it's an extremely intense game. When you die, it's terrifying because sometimes you will get shot by a sniper or you know, you'll walk into a room and there's already a dude in there, and he'll turn and you know, shit whip you. And, like, I can't tell you how many times I've bruised my elbows because I jerk. I have, like, a really, like, jerk, like, reaction. Yeah. And I'll get shot, and it's like, oh, my God, because you just black out, and you just hear, like, a crack, and that's it. I'm, uh, I'm currently playing between three, I'll say three and a half. I'll explain what I mean of different kind, types of games. So, so I do play Call of Duty, but I play Modern, what was Call of Duty 4, Modern mm-hmm. Warfare? I played the remastered version still. Yeah. It's just... It just it's just so good. It's yeah. It's just comfort food for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been because I watched the Witcher series, so mm. I downloaded, I bought Witcher three, and I've been playing through it. And that's it's kind of like those Far Cry games. It's just like a lot to do, and it's just a huge world, it's an open world game. Yeah, and it's just like it's very intimidating. Um, I got frustrated with it, so I put it away for a bit. Um, when I my, this next this current semester I'm in picked up. And then I recently also read, uh, I, I've, I have a th- soft spot for zombie games, zombie yeah, survival yeah. games. So I, I play through Dying Light mm. four or five times, and yeah. I, I just read down on Dead Island. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So Dead Island, it was Dead Island and all the DLC. So mm-hmm. the ri- Rising, Red Tide, Riptide, I don't know what it was fucking yeah, DLC yeah. is called. So I have, I'm playing that, and it looks a lot better now. It's the remastered mm-hmm. version. I just don't really have the time to play anymore. Um, cause I'm trying to like have a life and do other things. Yeah. But um, that's funny though. Like you know, sometimes video games never really leave us. Just like the, it's just. Mm-hmm. I never got behind people who thought it was a waste of time. It's like it's a, its own way. It's an activity. Yeah. It's it it does challenge your your critical thinking and and your cognitive oh, yeah. skills and recognition and. Um, 
I don't know. I'm a big fan, of, especially like mm-hmm. the zombie games. I like it's always the same kind of premise. Go do these tasks yeah. <clears throat> for me, but then you as the player have to figure out like pacing mm-hmm. and timing, and uh, uh, you have to like prioritize. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. For me, that I I enjoy it. You know, at the uh, I after seeing the trailer, do you remember the trailer for um, Dead Island? Oh yeah, with the little girl. And they, and they bl- fall out the window. Yeah, and then they're playing like the, they're they the they have the rapper singing. He's yeah, like yeah. live at a show, and as like the that's one of the characters is... you can play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was the coolest shit I had ever seen. So I'm such a nerd. I go on YouTube and I watch reactions mm-hmm. videos for oh, all kinds of stuff. I do that all the time with music. And uh, I do I like watching when hip hop fans watch metal for the first time. Oh yeah. But uh, but specifically to your point, I watch a few people react to the Dead Island or. Yeah, Dead Island trailer, mm-hmm. and some people were like, "No, I can't watch this anymore." Like the trailer was so powerful that they they had to turn it off. I'm like it's a video game, it's fake. Yeah. But again, it, it all hits us differently. Oh yeah, but uh, um, well, some of these games, especially like they they have some rele- good relevance too, like big grand strategy, like understanding how to critically think with a whole like army, and you're being faced with in some cases you're being outnumbered two to one. And, you know, yeah. you have to think tactically and quickly mm-hmm. and to figure out how to do things. And it's cool because you can have multiple players, multiple people fighting in these battles. And you can have like a like an artboard almost and you can draw on the game. So I'm seeing like an overlay, like real time of like troops fighting and you'll see like lines being drawn because like your your partner is helping you like, hey, move these guys here. You're being flanked over here. You know, you're right. moving these units of people around. And then games like... Escape from Tarkov or Rainbow Six Siege, they 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 are very much like critical thinking in the moment, where it's the first five seconds of that firefight that you get into are the most critical. Right. Because if you survive, what do you do next? Because if you serve, if you both survive and you don't kill, you know you didn't kill that guy. What are you gonna do next? Throw a grenade sure. and run? Are you gonna push him? Are you gonna you know? It makes you really start to think critically in those situations, and it's kind of terrifying. When it when they happen, and that's where we're gonna tie it in. Yeah, to in Bruges. <laughs> that's right, folks. We got to the point. <laughs> eventually, though. Eventually, but you know, I mean, I love video games, and it's, it's fun, and I don't, I don't dismiss them. Like some people are quick to like, oh, that's just for kids, or that's rot your brain. Like, it's fun. Yeah. Some people like to go drinking all weekends. So I like to sit down and kill zombies with. An axe or whatever tool mm-hmm. I happen to possess. Yeah, you know, like you, it's like me. We like using it as as a tool to bond. Yeah, and connect. Sure. So and like and you with your daughter, mm-hmm. and me with like uh, my dad, and yeah. you know friends because being in the military station all over the world. Obviously, I can't talk to them and see them all the time, but I can play video games with them every now and then. And, and you're still you're still seeing them in a way. Yeah, you're still exactly. talking to them. Sure. Um, but you know, back to critical thinking, we we meet some uh, some pretty silly characters in this in Bruges movie that uh, you wonder if critical thinking would have helped them a little better. But uh, we'll we'll get started. So in Bruges came out in two thousand eight. I didn't realize how old this movie was. Like it still seems like a pretty. I mean, it's not like old, old, old. Like mm-hmm. The Godfather is an old movie. Holy shit, that's almost fifty years old. Yeah. But came out two thousand eight. Um, I love the studio that made it. Focus Features—they make a lot of great films. Um, they have a pretty good body of work behind them in their, you know, in their catalog. Uh, 
but you talk about like themes of uh, symbolism and oh, and yeah. and yeah, the themes that are, are sewn throughout this film is just there's so many. And when I first saw this movie, I didn't like it. My really? first my I, my first pass, I'm like, this movie's kind of boring. Because mm-hmm. not, I mean, really, not a lot happens in this film. Yeah, no, it's like it's, kinetically speaking, like for a hitman movie, mm-hmm. action from an action perspective, it's kind of like very subdued, and it's very, it it's very got a, a slow tempo. Yeah, the dialogue is what drives the movie more than anything. Right, and I want to say when I saw this movie, I didn't see it in the theater. I waited till it came out, like at the time, two thousand nine ish. So probably saw it on DVD or whatever. You know, definitely dating myself. And uh, I was like, is something going to happen? Because I, I don't think I was watching it, like, to study it, to study mm-hmm. the film. I was watching it to, like, oh, I heard it was good. I like Colin Farrell. I like Brendan Gleeson and Ray Fiennes. Or, oh, yeah. you, you know, he's always fun to watch. Um, so I didn't like it at my first pass, and I was disappointed. And then I watched it again, like, about a year later. I was talking to somebody else, and they're like, "Hey, man, in Bruges, is, uh, uh, I'm gonna go see it at my buddy's house. He, he really likes it. I forget where I was at. I, was, I, I think it was in South Carolina. I was like, man, let's pick something else. You know, I was, yeah. was kind of like being that ho hum, you know, yeah, that that yeah, that the that the snob. I'm like, that's eh, not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And, but I sat down, and I watched it again, and we actually were kind of doing a almost like a play by play. And it, it, you know, or, or not dissecting scene for scene, but we were just kind of. Uh, a buddy of mine, he was big into like black comedies. Oh yeah. Like, and I knew it was a black comedy, but I didn't really catch all the things I had missed in that first time because I think I might have been distracted or I didn't give it my full attention, mm-hmm. which to the films. Uh, to the to. To be fair, to the film, uh, I should have done. Um, so my second viewing, I'm like, oh, I, 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 this is a complete set, different movie from what I saw the first time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It... And then I watched it again recently before we sat down and talked about it. I'm like, oh man, this movie's so good. Like yeah. I, I missed so much shit. I'm a dumbass. Like, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so when I started watching it, I, I probably watched. I started. I maybe. I think I saw this movie in 2014, 2015. It's probably the first time I saw it. Okay. And the only reason I saw it was because I kept seeing clips randomly, and then you know WatchMojo.com they always have their, their their you know videos and everything. Oh, the top ten. The top ten videos, and I kept whatever. seeing the scene yeah. show up repeatedly. And it was when he calls the Americans a bunch of fucking elephants. Oh yeah. And he gets chased around the bench, and he's like, and it's just this big fat American dude who can't catch up to him, and he's just like, it. There's something so. You like funny and dry, like dry and funny about that scene. Though, yes, like, I want to know what this comes from. I just, I, I based my entire decision to see that movie off of that one scene. Been to the top of the tower. Yeah, yeah, it's rubbish. It is. Guidebook says it's a must see. Well, you lot ain't going up there. Pardon me. Why? I mean, it's all windy stairs. I'm not being funny. What exactly are you trying to say? What exactly am I trying to say? These are a bunch of fucking elephants. Fight you. Come on, leave it, fatty. 
know you're just the rudest man. The rudest man. What's all that about? They're not going up there. Hey, guys, I wouldn't go up there. It's really narrow. Screw you, motherfucker! And... Oh, sure. I was in love with it <laughs> from the first time I saw it, and it was... More, I guess more or less because I'm not a huge, like, Michael Bay action movie kind of guy. Um, like, Fair. I'm more of a... I like dialogue-driven movies. Dark comedy, you know, specifically dark comedies. My favorite one is Doctor Strangelove. Oh, Oh, yeah. don't get um, Cooper's my favorite director. Yeah, he's the same here. So, so dark uh, comedies are like where I live. Right, right. So right. this was right up my alley when I, you know, watched it. But I've probably seen the movie maybe upwards of ten times, and it's actually what I base when I talk to people, and like if I'm going to be friends with them if they've seen it, mm-hmm. and if they haven't seen it if I show them if they liked it, then that's how I know I can be friends with them really because they get it they get like that style of comedy, and. It, it every time I watch it, I catch new things. Yeah, it's definitely like so. That's a testament, I think, to to uh, British filmmaking. Well, I know it was it was set in Belgium, and the two guys or two leads are Irish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin McDonough, yeah, he is completely English. Yeah, and and you look back to like some of Edgar Wright's work. You know, it's it's it's. Both very original and unique, but also super British. Yes. And it's it's very... You can tell it's not made with American sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's why I got turned off by it the first mm-hmm. time. Maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, British comedy in general has... This, it's always... It's a lot more dry and dry in its humor. It's not as uh, punchy. It's yeah. very... Um, you know, the... the the real humor is with it, is in the dialogue in like yes. the, the delivery of the dialogue. Right. I uh, <laughs> I guess think of that scene like you said about the um, uh, um, with the Americans, and uh, and then it follows after the one big American guy can't chase. <laughs> he's all winded, and him and the two women go to leave. Yeah. Go to go into the the church to mm-hmm. go up the, to the top and. Brandon Gleese. It's like oh y'all don't want to go in there. It's it's really windy. <laughs> yeah, they just keep like. I mean, it, that's that's the filmmaker joking with us. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Brendan Gleeson's character was, was totally oblivious to what happened before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very British. Oh, yeah. And um, do you see any of his other work? Uh, um, he, uh, Seven Psychopaths. And uh, I recently saw um, came out a couple years ago. Three three billboards. I had seen Ebbing, that Missouri. one. I've heard that one was really. That one was that good. one floored me. That one on the first. First time through, I was like, "This is fucking great." Okay. And I haven't seen it since, which I need to revisit. It's really good. Okay. Um, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I, I know. And I feel bad because I love In Bruges, and I've seen like all of the videos about it, and Martin McDonough, how he talks about his creation and mm-hmm. like, his vision when he made the movie. I feel bad because I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths, and I also am a huge like Christopher Walken fan. Yeah, that's haven't, a good one. And I haven't seen that movie. I'm, that's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, he's. Sure. I mean. Looking, looking back at what he's put out, he's got a pretty good track record as a filmmaker. Yeah, now in in Bruce was his his first full feature length film. Was it? Yeah, and he he wrote it complete. He wrote it completely on, on his own. Because and he directed. Oh, it was his first film because he was a playwright. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah he, he made a few shorts. He actually made a few short films with Brandon Gleason, so he already had some kind of rapport. Right, right, but, right. Yeah, that was his very first, you know, feature length 
and he talks about it. I, I thought it was really funny because I just I was watching a, the, the interview with him and they do a really good job of him, or he does a really good job of breaking down how he came up with the premise of that movie where he went to Bruges on a day trip and he was like man I love this you know he's very he's like I love the I love the museums and I love the culture but after a day of it you're like all right I just want to go get drunk and try and get laid <laughs> and he's like and so he he experienced both sides of those two characters yeah um in you know as himself and he's like I got I got to make something out of this so he's now I got to figure out why would two people be here and that's how he that's what set the the story or the the basis for the story was like how you know I'm going to take this uh way that these people feel and turn it into two characters and then you know build something around that and i mean you get that off the bat because you know the first one of the first lines of the movie is about Bruce being a shithole yeah, yeah he, and, uh, <laughs> it's it's him like kind of narrating what he, like the Ray, conversation that yeah, happened Colin between Farrell's him character. and Harry, Harry, uh, Ray Fine's character, you know, yeah. get to fucking Bruges, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't even know where the fuck Bruges is. And uh, <laughs> it's in Belgium. <laughs> They're in Bel. It's in fucking Belgium. After I killed them, I dropped the gun in the Thames, washed the residue off my hands in the bathroom of a Burger King, and walked home to await instructions. Shortly thereafter, the instructions came through. Get the fuck out of London, you dumb fucks. Get to Bruges. I didn't even know where Bruges fucking was. It's in Belgium. And immediately, like, I, I kind of picked this up, not my first viewing, but once I started, like, studying, yeah. I, like, this is purgatory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's, like, uh, uh, not low-hanging fruit, because there's more themes to it, but that's something really easy to pick up on because because of the line of work both mm-hmm. Colin Farrell and 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 uh, Brandon Gleeson are in. They're hitmen, and this is Colin Farrell's. So they go to to Bel, uh, 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 Bruges, not in exile, but in hiding, mm-hmm. because Colin Farrell fucks up yep. immediately. His first hit. He kills uh what Sierrian Hines who's in the movie for <laughs> yeah, thirty seconds like fun cameo and uh, yeah and he shoots a fucking kid mm-hmm. yeah. and on accident though on, on accident. accident yeah yeah completely completely by accident yeah. he botched his first job murder father why did you murder someone Raymond for money father. For money. You murdered someone for money. Yes, father. Not out of anger. Not out of nothing. For money. <clears throat> Who did you murder for money, Raymond? You, father. I'm sorry. I said you, father. What are you deaf? Harry Water says I know.
and it's like it's one of those things where like like there's no second chances with that. Like you kill a kid, man. Like this is this is just not your in the cards for you to be here yeah. in this line of work. You go do something else. Go mm-hmm. go go drive a cab. Yeah. Stop doing this because you're terrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like back to your point, there's that split mm-hmm. of personalities because where you know Ray, who's Colin Farrell, is the young. Younger guy, who's the reason they're there in the first place? He wants to get drunk. He wants to get laid. Mm-hmm. Like every young guy can relate to to, to Colin yeah. Farrell's character. And then you have the more traveled, world weary uh, yeah. uh, Ken, who's like, let's go sightseeing. Yeah, he's all about it. He's <laughs> just fuck yeah, let's do this shit. I love he likes to uh, his line. He's like, we'll strike a. He likes to strike a balance between culture and fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they're doing like the gondola tours, yeah, the, or the what do you call them? Was that what's that what they call it? It was no, it was um, a canal ride. Canal ride, yeah. And it looks a lot like a gondola it, ride. It's funny because when you watch the movie, you can easily see yourself being both of those people. Yeah, it, it may not be obvious at the same time, but you've all been that person, you know, sitting there with your with your collar flipped up, you know, not wanting to be there, Just, and you've also been yeah. that person who's been. Who was like floored by where you're at and and awestruck? Yeah, because like Colin Farrell, he's pissing and moaning. The weather sucks. Like he doesn't give a fuck about museums and churches. Mm-hmm. Like when they had that scene where, again, that scene with the Americans with where Bernie Gleason goes up to the top for mm-hmm. the view, and Colin Farrell's like, "What view? I can see how it's, I can see that it's shit down yeah. here, just fine." And I can see I can see down here from down here. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I I can quote most of this movie pretty well and like my buddies who watched who I've gotten this movie or gotten into this movie my our, our friends hate each hate us because we always make these like references to each other and nobody ever gets it and then we're just sitting there like you know laughing our asses off at our at our attempt at humor so I was thinking about like you know how I would tie like our companion piece to Tin Bruges and I picked collateral because it Hitman movie, but a more as far as like English dry humor, mm-hmm. black comedy, crime movie, I should have picked Snatch. Yeah. Um and that I mean Snatch is still on the table, that's fine. Um but uh like it's I like the um you know the the payoff that you see early on with the uh the the the, the ticket taker for oh, the write up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who was like it's it's five, it's like five euros. Intro is five euros. And uh, happy in your work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10, 20, 30, 4, 40, 4, 50, 4, 60, 4, 70, 4, 80, 4, 90. You take 4, 90? Entry is five euro. Come on, man, it's only 10 cents. Entry is 5 euro. Happy in your work? Probably happy. But the arrogance, not the arrogance, but like the the thick-headedness of that guy mm-hmm. comes full circle later when once Harry comes to mm-hmm. town and he starts like poking him in the face yeah i was like what is he doing oh like like how you don't just do that to anyone period it's 
Yeah, I thought that was awful. It's funny because you have these two characters, um, Ray and oh, what's his name? I'm blank on his name. Ray, Ken, and Ken. They're both very gray area with a lot of their the way that they the way they view the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's redemption. You you can always, you know, especially with Ken, like like you can be redeemed. You know, don't feel so down. It's like you can be redeemed. But even that that one dude, the the toll taker guy, yeah, he's very black and white with every like just in the way he acts. Mm-hmm. Just like Harry Waters, like he's got this convoluted sense of honor that's extremely black and white. Yes, and and it's it's funny seeing those even like those those styles of characters you know butt up against each other. And I I kept thinking like um, it was kind of funny how uh, Ken's foreshadowing what he has what he's supposed to do mm-hmm. later when he's up at the top and he points the, his finger gun yeah and like, psh, psh, to yeah. Colin Farrell's the character foreshadowing is... foreshadowing and uh, I kind of like I kind of like want to go back to those Americans again mm-hmm. because I think it's Martin McDonough like fuck you America a little bit like because the only Americans in the film are these fat overweight just arrogant fucking yeah. people is like is that how mm-hmm. america really is seen across the across oh the pond? yeah he and he, he makes like the quips at americans multiple times in the movie where he they're does. like oh you're an american oh, oh in the in the in the little person too. yeah with, with he's the, american yeah yeah and he's like and he's like just don't he's like yeah i'm american just don't count it against me he's like well isn't that for me to judge yeah right right, like, right. Don't, and then he says you know he says the same thing to brendan gleason's character and he's like well just don't say anything too crass like, right, they're just making constant like jokes because he knows he's an American and he knows everybody's view of Americans. So he's like, "Don't hold it against yeah, me." We're loud, we're obnoxious, we're overweight, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't know if you could tell. I could tell. I, have a, I had a good ear for this. Um, the three Americans, and, and from the beginning, mm-hmm. you can all tell they're not actually American. If you listen to the listen to the dialogue, how they say things, you could tell they're from the United Kingdom. Oh, and, and they're yeah. and they're faking an accent to be and like, because you know like you can tell when someone's bullshitting an accent mm-hmm. and they're really trying to suppress their original accent. Yeah. I could I could hear like that's a terrible American accent. Now that I think about it, I can definitely see that. We've been to the top of the tower. Like nobody says tower. In, yeah. In an American accent. No, no. But that makes sense. Um. And then, uh. So the whole thing with the child with with uh, uh Colin Farrell, he accidentally shoots the child. You know, and that's the whole shot was really. I mean, it's a fucked up scene, but like mm-hmm. it was shot really well, and uh, I was kind of. I always thought it was kind of creepy how the child was in the church because Confero, he, he's a hitman. He's hired to kill the priest. They're in the confession booth. He shoots the priest. The priest jumps out of the confession booth. Confero shoots him in the back. Of course, those bullets go through the priest, mm-hmm. hit the boy. Of course, this is all in a flashback, and. Um, the boy is just like still on 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 the easel, he's mm-hmm. or whatever on the kneeler, and he's praying, and his blood sort of stripping down his face, and he falls over. Like I know, like clinically, that's not how people die when they get shot in the head. Yeah, but it looked really good. Oh yeah, and uh, and then that but that ties back to why there was a little person in there. Mm-hmm. It, of course, it pays off in the end with Harry and his, like you said, his convoluted honor code, mm-hmm. but like. Everywhere that, every time that uh, uh, Colin Farrell sees the little person, he's always seeing a little, a little, per, a l- a little person, he's a seeing, kid. Yeah, he's seeing that person as a kid, not like. And so I think it's just 
this, the universe kind of just fucking with him, mm-hmm. making him feel extra guilty because he starts he just cry. He breaks down a few times in this film. Yeah, no, he, he's the the movie really takes you on a oh it's a roller coaster of emotion because it's got these high mm-hmm. and it's full of irony too. The entire movie has got these like it, it's it's and you don't really notice some of it until the end. Mm-hmm. But you'll you'll see just how ironic the entire you know movie is where it's got these ups and then immediate crashes down. Right. Where you've got um, him feeling good about himself and then immediately down him feeling good about himself and then immediately crashing down and it just plays like that throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. and like take the the dinner scene like he finally gets a date and then yeah chloe yeah he finally goes out with chloe the girl the the, the girl who sells drugs to everybody <laughs> yeah right and he's like very self-deprecating in his humor mm-hmm and I think it's just his way of being honest with about what he did. Yeah, I he's like, what she say? She says like, you're good. What do you get the most? Oh, shooting priests and children. Oh yeah, he's like, what do you do for a living? He's like, I shoot people. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, who do you shoot? Mostly priests and sometimes children. Right. And uh, I like for when I first saw that movie, I thought again the American motif, but the, actually that couple that mm-hmm. he gets in the fight, he punches the dude in the face and then. He, <laughs> Punches her in the face. She's got a bottle. Yeah, well, she's, she does swing at him, so I'm like, I kind of mm-hmm. don't feel bad for that one so much. It's fucking unbelievable. What's fucking unbelievable? Are you talking to me? Pauses, even though he should just hit the cunt. And he repeats, yes, I am talking to you. What's fucking unbelievable? Well, I'll tell you what's fucking unbelievable, shall I? Blowing cigarette smoke straight into myself and my girlfriend's face. That's fucking unbelievable. This is the smoking section. I don't care if it's the smoking section, right? She, she directed it right in my face, man. I don't want to die just because you're fucking arrogant. Uh-huh. Isn't that what the Vietnamese used to say? Vietnamese? <laughs> What are you talking about the Vietnamese? That statement makes no fucking sense at all. Yes, it does. The Vietnamese. We're saying it over and over. Ain't gonna make any more sense out of it. How, how, how does the Vietnamese have any relevance whatsoever to myself and my girlfriend ha- having to breathe your friend's cigarette smoke? Tell me how saying. That's for John Lennon. You yanking fucking cunt. A bottle. Now don't bother. I guess it turns out they're Canadian. Yeah, uh, so I think I think we should go back a little bit and talk about his uh their their use of uh every time they say they 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 say something in the movie there's a reason behind it. And it all ties together at the end. So like the take the the conversation that they have when they're sitting down on the bench and they're talking about you know, the lollipop man, you know, what's a lollipop man doing knowing karate? He's like, well, right. we came up with a bottle. And he's like, well, a bottle, that's a that's a deadly weapon. You know, you got to do what you got to do. It's like, are you or him? And then it comes full circle when he is in the, having dinner, mm-hmm. and you see her raise the bottle, and he says, oh, a bottle. And then he sucker punches her in the face, 
Like very good point. It, yeah. Everything that they say in that movie, ha- it, it's all tied to, to something else in the movie. And I keep thinking back about um, things that come back around again. So he shoots, he shoots a priest, mm-hmm. and he shoots a boy praying, and they keep going to all these churches, mm-hmm. and then. In that same conversation about the lollipop man, they have this frank conversation, uh, uh, Colin Farrell and Brian Gleason, about faith and what do you believe in. Mm-hmm. And it's always moral questions are, are brought up, and like, um, and it kind of ties to how Ray feels about the fact that he killed a little boy and the justice that should be bestowed upon him should he die, mm-hmm. and which, which we'll see later when he tries to kill himself um, in the park. So I just think it was interesting, like, there was a lot of religious, I don't know if it was, like, not symbolism, like, it's a religious film, but, like, as a mechanic, as, like... The judgment, Well, I think, is... Because they take him to the museums, and I think he's constantly feeling judged for everything. Yeah. And they take him to the museums, the the priest, where the, you know, blood of Jesus Christ... Yeah, they go to, uh, where they go? The Basilica of the Holy Blood. Yeah. Yeah. And they go to the the art museum. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're seeing all of these paintings about people who are being judged. Yeah, they've got. Um, I wrote that down too. The art gallery. The they're, they're, when they're at the final one, they're, they're talking about purgatory, and there's Jesus Christ at the top, overseeing the judgment. Yeah. Of everybody. Ray, did we or did we not agree that if I let you go on your date tonight, we do the things I wanted to do today? We are doing the things that you wanted to do today. And I would do them. Without you throwing a fucking moody like some five-year-old has dropped all his sweets. I didn't agree to that. You almost feel what he's feeling, like when he's sitting on the bench mm-hmm. by himself, and you see all these people he's looking out at all these people, and these kids walking, and then he sees the little person walking, and he tries to wave at him. The guy doesn't wave back. He's like, yeah. oh, "Okay, I'm, you know, yeah, fuck me, right, yeah, right." Yeah. He's like, well, "Whatever." And then he looks down at this dog, ugliest dog I've ever seen. It's got mange yeah, and stuff on he it. He looks at this dog, and the dog looks at him, and then the dog even turns its head away, and then you just <laughs> see him put his head down, like you're like everybody, even the dog, just like was nothing to do with you. Yeah, and it's you like big it's, piece of shit. Exactly, and I think he feels that the world is kind of just judging him for what he did. And all of that stuff, and like, if the dog's not even gonna recognize him, really, or you know, the dog's turning his head. I mean, to a certain degree, like it's it's a, it's a very fine line because, like, okay, he did something completely heinous, mm-hmm. severely egregious. You, okay, you're a hitman. A shit happens. Mm-hmm. Grown ups make grown up choices, and they and they. We hit the fate they hit, but a boy was an innocent victim, was collateral, if yeah. you will. Uh, uh. Yeah. And uh, so while that was still an accident, it was still heinous, but also it was still an accident. Mm-hmm. And like Ray had no ill will in his heart towards the little boy or, or to children, but because he knows deep down that this, you just don't fucking do that. Yeah. Everywhere he looks, he's just getting getting waterboarded with fucking like you piece of shit yeah everyone kids he's seeing kids everywhere in any manner you know with a little person actually seeing little kids everywhere and like even when that scene in the park he's in front of a bunch of kids playing in the park 
Yes. And he even has a conversation, but he's like, this kid's never going to, you know, be able to grow up and come to Bruges. I mean, he might want to come to Bruges, even though it's a shithole. Like, he, it's funny because he constantly also, you, they, Bruges is like this vehicle for the movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, he constantly, it's like, he's constantly talking shit on Bruges. And it, every yes. time there's a very, you know, somber conversation, at the end of it, he's like, still here in fucking Bruges and like he's right. like crying and he's like still like it but at the very end he's like he's still here in Bruges like you just can't get like to him like the of totality it. of his punishment mm-hmm. is the fact that he's in fucking Bruges yeah I think they say in Bruges throughout the whole movie but they always insert a fucking yeah between it and I think that's just brilliant oh, yeah. um hey don't fucking hell where the fuck did you come from I was behind the thing what the fuck are you doing right what the fuck are you doing? Nothing. Oh my god. You were gonna kill me. Oh, I You were gonna kill yourself? What? I'm allowed. No, you're not. What? I'm not allowed to, and you are? How's that fair? Give me a gun back. Let's get the bike. Suicide case. And you're trying to shoot me in the fucking head. You're not getting that gun back. How great day this has turned out to be. I'm suicidal. My mate tries to kill me. My gun gets nicked and we're still in fucking bruise. Listen, I'm gonna give you some money and put you on a train somewhere. Back to England? I'll go back to England, Ray. You'll be a dead man. I don't want to be a dead man. Since you've been missing something. I don't want to be a dead man, Ray. Right? <laughs> I killed a little boy. <laughs> he meets Chloe. He 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 goes out after Ken tells him to stay in. He's like, "Hey, fuck you! I'm going to go out." He meets Chloe. Mm-hmm. He actually casually kind of picks her up. Yeah, scores was... a date, and then he has that fight with the Canadians, which comes to bite him in the ass later. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I love that scene because the guy was all like, "Why did you have to blow a cigarette smoke in my face?" <laughs> but also, like, Ray had a good point. Like, dude, you're in the fucking smoking section. Like, yeah. well, sit somewhere else next time. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. The one of the things I wrote down about the movie is like the hyper realistic dialogue. Where... Yeah. You can yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. imagine people having these exact conversations and just like the wildness of it, how it's so funny, but real. Mm-hmm. But that one scene when he's in, the, when he's having dinner, he's like, the Vietnamese, he's like, isn't that what the Vietnamese used to say? Oh, he was on that for so, he's he, like, he, like, he, what do you he mean leaned about... into the Vietnamese so hard. Like, <laughs> he's like what, what are you talking about? Like, what the fuck, the, what are you fucking talking about the Vietnamese? That is no, that is no context here. And he's like, yes, it does. The fucking Vietnamese. And he, he punches him. I love it. And he's like, "That's for John Lennon." <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, "That's for Jenny." Called me. He's like, "You Yankee fucking cunt." It's like, "Oh my god!" And then he, and then it turns out that they're Canadian. He's like, "He's like, I heat the Canadian." He's like, "Oh, uh, yeah, Canadian." Yeah. <laughs> like, it all comes full circle. That was good. What is your name? Um, Derek Burl. Burl. You heed the Canadian. Huh? You heed the Canadian. I heed the Canadian. I don't know what you're talking about. That's him. 
That's the motherfucker. Canadian. So they, they, he runs out of there with Chloe, and they go back to her place, and then her fucking boyfriend or whoever her he ex is that they—it's—it's it's her what's ex. His, what's his name? What's that dude's name? Um. Uh. Patrice? No, but no. I don't know what his name is. Oh, he's—he was a fucking. He was extra. Yeah, he was a fuck. Eric. 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 Yeah, it was him. Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he—he he shows up to. To rob them when he wasn't supposed to, mm-hmm. she actually ended up liking Ray. Well, and that's like her con, right? She or I, that I guess their, that's the, that's the illusion, right? The that was their is, shtick: is they would yeah. they would lure people using her back to her place, and they would rob them. Right. Yeah. With and, a gun with blanks. <coughs> and then they have a. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> anyway. So yeah, Eric tries to show up and and rob them with the gun full of blanks and then he pulls a knife out so he ray disarms him yeah ray disarms him and he pulls a knife out and ray holds the gun up he's like that's not gonna help you man and then chloe's like yeah that gun's full of blanks so he shoots it once in the and like he shoots it once to realize that there's no real bullets and the dude starts to advance on him with a knife yeah yeah yeah. and i don't know like blanks are still extremely deadly yeah they're not safe <laughs> a blank is the reason why brandon lee is dead well that's part court. of the reason yeah but yes <laughs> but so and he shoots a blank and there's still gunpowder coming out of the, the barrel yeah. of that weapon flaming gunpowder very he fast straight into the dude's eye and, and the dude's on the ground yeah like, oh he's like I, I, I like how through all that like her she sees her ex-boyfriend and ex-partner fucked up and she's like tell still basically tells uh uh um farrell call me yeah yeah like they're all that it's like, like please stay it's or... cool i still really like you despite all this bullshit like yeah, you punched craziness. two people at the restaurant guys we fucking left dinner and shot my ex in the eye with a blank like, i still like you it's all good mm-hmm. you know you're you're a really cute irish guy mm-hmm. i'm really behind you um yeah even then the, the the dialogue there was just so funny and realistic feeling where he's just like like used to be all skinheads used to go around beating up Pakistani twelve year olds, <laughs> and he's like now There's now so it's much seems... racism in this movie. Oh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh, like now it's now it's commonplace for you to be a fucking bum boy, and right, and then uh, it's just so ridiculous with his with the way he talks, and he he even I don't know he's got this he just says a bunch of dumb shit throughout the entire movie. Sometimes you're like wow that was stupid. I don't know. It's like Ray is so up his own ass and his own like ideals of what, how the world is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's he ever comes off as really arrogant and egotistical, know it all, and then he has this huge guilt on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. So he becomes this very volatile character. Yeah. And um, so basically, he has got an axe to grind with everybody. Oh yeah. You know, every he's already pissed off, so everyone is just out to get him, mm-hmm. and so all this pent up ignorance and 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 discrimination mm-hmm. in whatever else comes up, and he just out for blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you know, what I think is funny. We've been talking a lot about Ray, but uh, Ken's part in this movie too is this, yes. like when because this is. You know, we, we kind of jump to the to the dinner scene, but while that dinner scene is going on, 
Oh yeah, uh, Harry calls. Harry calls Ken, mm-hmm. and it's I, I gotta. I love even, that scene though. Even though that it, it's not like flashy cinematography wise, the the fact that it's done in all one shot mm-hmm. with a steady cam blows my mind. It's a five minute conversation. I, uh, I, I timed it five minutes, one shot, of, and it, he's. He's acting on the phone like I can see myself acting on the phone. You're just walking around the room if you're on the phone. Right, right. And you're right. like he's like laying in bed. He's looking at the mirror. Like he's doing all this stuff that I can imagine myself like me doing when I'm on the phone with somebody. Yeah, you're just you're bo- you're playing around with shit on the table. Yeah. You're laying down. And but that that whole conversation where you really get a chance to see what who who Harry is mm-hmm. over the phone is. And you, you discover that Harry actually or not Harry um like Ken. Ken really likes and cares. Mm-hmm. For, for for Ray, but also like Harry's, like Harry's like that, the gentle giant with a heavy hand. Yeah, like I want to show him a nice time, but then I want you to fucking blow his brains out. Yeah, and then I want you to kill him because you can't kill a kid. <laughs> yeah, so so I think that's I don't think that's fair to Ray. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't think that's fair to Ray is because. I don't know when Harry hired Ray, or if it was, I assume Harry hired Ray. Did Harry give him the precept, like, this is the moral standard I want you to stick with? Mm-hmm. You know? And if so, and if not, then what right does Harry have yeah. to to hold basically Ray accountable to a standard he didn't give him in the first place? Mm-hmm. You don't know, because it's never said. Because yeah. um, you could tell Harry likes Ray. Mm-hmm. You can tell also that Ken likes everyone likes Ray. Yeah, Ray's a good dude. Mm-hmm. He just fucked up, but sadly, his fucked up action led to a kid being killed. And Harry's like, red light. Yeah, can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then but that plays heavy into um, Ken's motivation to keep Harry or keep Ray alive. At the end, of, uh, we put mm-hmm. sends his ass on a train, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me. Do you know what he said? What did he say? He said, Ken, I know I'm awake, but I feel like I'm in a dream. Yeah? He said that? Yeah. Meaning not in a good dream? Yeah, of course, like in a good dream. Oh, good. I'm glad he likes it there. I'm glad we were able to give him something, something good and happy. Because he wasn't a bad kid, was he? He wasn't a bad kid, was he? Listen, take down this address. Ramstrat 17. That's Ram, like Ram, but with an extra A. Ramstrat 17. You got that? Yes, Ramstrat 17. Good. There'll be a man there tomorrow morning at nine. His name's Yuri. Yuri. He'll give you the gun. Ring me on the public phone of Jimmy Driscoll's about three or four tomorrow, after he's done. After what's done? Are you being fit? No. Listen, I like Ray. He was a good bloke, but when it all comes down to it, you know, he blew the head off a little fucking kid, and you brought him in, Ken. So if the buck don't stop with him, where does he stop? Ken. If the buck don't stop with him, where does he stop? Stop with me, Harry. That's an easy one. Too hot for the boy. You know, I haven't get to see Bruges. 
I'd like to go and see Bruce again before I die. What was it he said again about, yeah, it's like a dream. I know I'm awake, but I feel like I'm in a dream. That whole scene in the like that whole conversation really tells you a lot about both characters, mm-hmm. and like I you almost don't know if he's gonna go through with you know what he's being asked to do, which is to obviously to kill to kill Ray for you know killing a kid, right? And even even in that part of the movie, you still don't know about Harry's convoluted code of honor yet you just know that he doesn't like the fact that he killed a kid and that he wants him to die sure and so you're like okay their boss is a bit of a hard ass um and but you can tell that like i at the time he's like i don't know if he's going to go through with it with what he's being asked and then you know the next you know after the the date happens and he's asked to kill him then they meet up they i like how they meet back up at the bar no, 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 no. That's that's before that. So, uh, oh yeah, no, the, the, so the conversation happened while so, he was at dinner. So, um, so no, so no, you're right. Mm-hmm. So after the date, they so Harry and and Ray meet at the pub. Yeah. This time, because because Ray stole all the coke, all, all the drugs, all yeah. the drugs from Chloe's apartment, mm-hmm. and he gives he gives ten oh, a gram yeah. of coke. Oh yeah, and, and they're all coked out. They go to, to another hotel with a little person, mm-hmm. and they're all just getting fucked that up. That was the f- that whole setup from the bar to um, <laughs> to that point happening was the greatest <laughs> bit of cinema I think I've ever seen. Just because of how wacky it is, because he shows up to the bar, and you know Ken is depressed drinking. Mm-hmm. He, he he's sad drinking because of what he's been asked to do, and right. Ken, or not Ken, and um, Ray shows up coked out mm-hmm. because of what he just went through. Right, right. And he's like, I've, I've, exper- I've had two experiences of extreme violence tonight. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and he's like, I, got a, I, got four, I have five grams of coke. He's like, you got five grams? He's like, well, I got four grams. I got one gram in me. <laughs> and, you know. And he's, and like, he's like just yeah. super quick, fast. Yeah, he's just he just, and, but, like, and it's like, so like, funny. Even the way he orders a beer, like one gay beer, please. It, I, what's his? Yeah, what's up with him and the gay beer thing? He says I, that a few times. And he, uh, I think it's just because he there there's there was a a theory that, that Ken was actually gay. He's not based on. I thought he's married because he, yeah, he, he's got he, a wedding he, he band. Wears a wedding, he wears a wedding band, but that you know that whole story gets fleshed out while they're all coked out. But then uh, you know he sees the little person. And he's like, "Why didn't you wave to me when I said hello?" Oh, he today? just poke him in the in the he head. Just pokes him in the head like this. He just pokes him in, in the head. He's like, hey, why didn't you say hello to me when I said hello to you today? I was high on horse oh, tranquilizer. Yeah, he's like, I was high on a horse tranquilizer. He's like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, "Nothing. Just horse shit." <laughs> and I was like, and I. It took me so long to realize that how the 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 comedy behind that line. Yeah, that's a good it's line. So simple. You know, it's so funny, but it's so good, and it's like, what? He's like, what are you talking about? Nothing, just horse shit. Talking about horse tranquilizing, <laughs> horse yeah. tranquilizing. I was like, man, I didn't get that for the longest time, but that scene. Yeah, because. Why didn't you wave hello to me today when I waved hello to you today? I wasn't a very strong horse tranquilizer today. I wasn't waving hello to anybody, except 
maybe to a horse. Huh? What are you talking about? Uh, just horse shit. You from America? Yeah. Don't hold it against me. Well, that's for me to decide, isn't it? And then he's just like, and then all Brandon Gleason just shows up next to him, coked out, they're all both looking down from oh, the that, perspective. Oh, when he shows up, like, and they're like, both like staring perched at over him. his shoulder, <laughs> like staring yeah. with glazed eyes. <laughs> oh my god, I, I pissed myself laughing. Yeah. Um, it's such a good scene. And, you know, and then he fucking karate chops. Oh, yeah, they have that. Well, then they go through and they have this wild conversation about a race war. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's, that's, that's going to be a race war. The first time I saw this movie, that scene lost me. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and I watched it again recently. I'm like, oh, this is fucking gold. This yeah. is so funny. Yeah, and it's the, like, who come like, where was this, where was Martin McDonough's head when he thought up this whole conversation it might have been about one, a, about one a gram in war. yeah <laughs> he probably had a gram in him he probably had a gram in him already he was he was ready he's ready to rock and roll with this talking whole about, yeah, like the, he's like there's gonna be a race war i can see it what side are the between, blacks gonna be on the whites and the blacks yeah yeah what <laughs> side like, will they be the, on the blacks like, what about the vietnamese <laughs> the blacks <laughs> like well i'm not i'm fine with the blacks if the vietnamese are on their side he's like you can't <laughs> and then that's when it, the whole mood gets brought down by my Ken, who's like, well, you know, my wife was black and she was murdered by skinheads. Mm-hmm. Where do I fit in in all this? And that's when, like, the mood gets really shot, but you really learn a lot about Ken's character. You're right. And then you learn yeah. the, 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 that conversation buried within it is where the, the relationship between Ken and Harry, the, their boss, mm-hmm. it gets fleshed out. Because they, sure. Because Harry Waters is the one that killed the people who killed Ken's wife. Yes, the skinheads, and that's how that's now you now you know where their relationship began. Yep. And then it gets then that's when the weirdness happens when he's like two mangy hookers and a and a midget. I think I'm going home. And yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like back off, shorty. Like, you don't know karate. <laughs> and then he karate chops the midget. Oh my god. Oh my god. And then uh, that whole scene, I. I'm always whenever I see that, when I wake my friends watch that movie. I'm watching my friends. I don't even watch the movie anymore because I watch their reaction. I was if watching, they don't laugh, I get <laughs> I get upset. I was watching some movie with somebody recently. Uh, I do that when I whenever I'm showing a movie to somebody, mm-hmm. and like I I don't care about the movie. I've already seen the movie. I will yeah. watch their make sure they're responding yeah. accordingly to mm-hmm. the beats of the movie as they unfold, and um, that's that's funny because I do the, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, uh, so, and then the next morning, when Ken gets up to go find Yuri to go pick up the gun to go oh kill Ray with, we forget that Ray stole that gun that had the blanks in yeah, it and got... had real bullets. Yeah. He loaded into the, into the weapon. And um, he wakes up, Ray wakes up, and he's got the look of death on his face. Like, he's sad. He's just, he's, he's had it. He's mm-hmm. done. He's afraid to. Punch, punch the clock and go home. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the under... He, that's such an underrated performance for Colin Farrell just because of his... Not the dialogue, but his facial delivery and his acting. Mm-hmm. Because you can tell he's going through some shit. Yeah. Always in his face. And you just look at him in the way, like, when he's, like, touching his face, it's almost like he's trying to feel something. Because, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, he feels, like, such shit to the world. And... You can just see it in his face. You just know in his eyes. You're like, man, this dude is not in a good way. And it's just all credit to Colin Farrell's acting and his fa- facial acting, too. Yeah, I think this is also... I know this movie was nominated for 
uh, best screenplay, mm-hmm. original screenplay, but like everyone acts their ass off in this movie. Oh yeah, very underrated performances by all these guys. Um, and so Colin Farrell wakes up, Ray wakes up, and he goes to the park. He's gonna off himself. Meanwhile, Ken got the weapon from Yuri, which again, amazing that just, interaction. That I love Yuri. I want to know more about Yuri. <laughs> yeah. He's right? such a fun guy to visit. Well, I always talk about whenever I say in the alcoves that like nobody gets it, and they're like, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> you, "You just have never seen this movie." Then did he go on to you about the fucking alcoves? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, but, and um, yeah, that, that whole exchange was what was so funny. But the yeah, and then that that scene. So when I was actually in Syracuse, I based a short two minute piece off of that scene in, in the park where you see Ken kind of stalking mm-hmm. Ray, and you still don't know if he's going to go through with it, even though he's got the gun. I still, even even in my head, I was like, he's not going to do it. There's just no way. I thought he, I thought if Ray hadn't caught him, mm-hmm. he, he still would have held there and paused. Yeah. And he would have thought about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay. And then the, the whole dramatic lead up to him walking up, he's like, sorry, Ray. He even says sorry, and I was like, oh, shit, he's going to kill him. And he goes up behind him and everything, and you see the, you know, mm-hmm. Kim pull out, or I'm sorry, Ray pull out the, the revolver, and you're like, okay. Right, right, and so it's like... And then he stops him. <laughs> what a moral contradiction, like, you, like yeah. you're like you here to kill me, but you're going to stop me from blowing my own brains out. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, uh, you know, there's such it's so serious, but you can't help but laugh because of the way that that was delivered. It's so funny! When he's like, you were going to kill me, he's like... No, it wasn't. And you see him like hide the pistol, like like, he, like he's like a, a kid who has something he's not supposed to. He just puts right. it behind his back. He's like, no, uh-huh. no, it wasn't. And uh, and, um, and then like, like, and then they have that conversation sitting on the like the little like the, the little like playground, the, yeah, and like the slide thing or whatever. And then he's just like, oh, I got this little girl gun. He's like holding a revolver up. And, <laughs> He, he takes then, it from him. Yeah, and he's yeah. talking about him, like, you know, go do something with your life. Like, they have a really interesting, a real deep, like, heart-to-heart there. He's like, you need you to go do something with go your life. Go be a doctor. Yeah, go be a doctor. He's like, and he's, like, crying. But again, he's like, I can't be a doctor. You need exams. You need exams. <laughs> he's so, like, yes. he's such a pessimist about yeah. everything. He is. And he's just, he's just in such a low, he, he just almost killed himself. He's such in a low, shitty spot. But there's uh, still time to, like... And then he he says it again. He's like, "I'm still here, fucking bro." <laughs> like he's still yes. he still can't get over it. And he's like, he's like, can I go back to England?" He's like, "No, you can't no. go back to England." Yeah, he wants or he wants to go back to the UK. Yeah. Period. To go back to Dublin, um, and then so so Ken puts his ass on a train mm-hmm. and tells Ray to get lost. I don't know, want to know where you're going. Just leave. Mm-hmm. And he, he he boldly calls Harry up. Yeah, Ken does and. Like, fuck you, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. Yeah. And then we like, great. You finally see Ray Fiennes. You I love see... it. That was the... <laughs> oh, my God. That is the greatest... I think one of the greatest character reveals I've ever I've ever seen in a movie was Ray Fiennes and then this movie. He loses his collective shit. <laughs> On a phone. You're an inanimate fucking object. And he's, like, smashing the phone to pieces, and he swears at his wife. And... Yeah, it's so funny. Inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object. 
You know what we missed earlier? We missed that letter he sends. Oh, yeah, when he's like, Jesus, he swears a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and uh, what's that girl's name? The the uh, um, the lady who runs the hotel, the hotel. with her husband. Yeah. yeah. She's like, by the way, I'm not a receptionist. I, I own the hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole exchange was, exchange was pretty funny. Mr. Blakely? Yes. No, Mr. Cronin. No, yes, Mr. Blakely? Yes? You have a message. Number one, why aren't you in when I fucking told you to be in? Number two, why doesn't this hotel have phones with fucking voicemail and not I have to leave messages with a fucking receptionist? Number three, you better fucking be in tomorrow night when I fucking call again or there'll be fucking hell to pay. I'm fucking telling you, Harry. He swears a lot, doesn't he? Like a big, fat, fucking, retarded, fucking black girl on a seesaw. Opposite. A dwarf. So Harry gets pissed off, tells his family he's gonna I gotta get away on business. This, yeah. I <laughs> I love that and see when he's just talking to his family because he's you, you really get a chance to see um, Harry's sense, you know, convoluted sense of you know what honor is and how just how black and white he sees the world. Where he's like, I he's like, I have to go handle something. It's got to do with Ken. And she's like, it's it's gonna it's not gonna be dangerous, is it? And he's like, well, of course it's gonna be dangerous. It's a matter of honor. <laughs> I just think it's so funny how yeah. all these mob movies or hitman movies, all these kind of crime movies, there's always these these up what nose up in the air criminals mm -hmm. with this perturbed, perverted sense of ethical principles mm -hmm. that okay, I'm gonna hurt other people, but I'm not gonna hurt these people, mm -hmm. or I'm not gonna do that action. I'm still going to do something I know is wrong, mm -hmm. but I've had it in my head that that's okay as long as it's justified by not doing these other things. Yeah. And Harry is no different, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, in his mind, murder is okay as long as it's murdering for honor. Yeah. Or, and it's not a kid. And it's not a kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, guys, and it's, it's, a... <laughs> it's, it's such a wild character that he plays where he's just, everything is... You know, you, you kill the kid, man. I, you gotta die. Yeah, you gotta die. You're done. Um, but you know, Ray doesn't get too far. No. Because he heats the Canadian. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I heat the Canadian. Um, that whole exchange was really funny. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the motherfucker right cause he, there. Because at this point, you, <laughs> yeah, at that point, you forgot all about that mm -hmm. couple. Yeah. You thought that was just like a one-off occasion. Yeah. Nope, no, he gets held accountable. He, and they he's lock like, his ass up. Oh yeah, he's like, you're you're coming back to Bruges. He's like, brilliant. <laughs> like you can yeah. tell, he's like, son of a bitch, I just can't leave this place. Nope, nope, can't do it. Uh, did it to himself. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, so Harry. Well, meanwhile, Harry gets to Bruges. He goes, pays Yuri a visit to get a gun, so he, he can go kill Ken. Oh yeah. And then we see Chloe's boyfriend Eric. And with an eye patch on, basically. And I like this dialogue between Harry and Eric. How Harry basically calls him out. Oh yeah, he's like, well, if you, he's like, presumably, if you had a gun full of blanks, and presumably you had to be quite close, and you had said gun taken from you, and then had said gun, sh you know, shot in your eye. Well, I guess you kind of deserved it. For, he's it's like, a, well, I guess you kind of deserve it for being such a puff. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's like, a bit your fault, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, then you got pissed off, and he's like, I wouldn't recommend saying anything back. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just take it. Just know your place. Is he talking to me? No, Eric's on your side, Mr. Waters. Your young friend blinded him last night. Righted. I was trying to rob him. And he took my gun from me. And the gun was full of blanks. And he shot the blank into my eye. And now, I cannot see from this eye ever again, the doctors say. Well, to be honest, it sounds like it was all your fault. What? I mean, basically, if you're robbing a man and you're only carrying blanks and you allow your gun to be taken off you and you allow yourself to be shot in the eye with a blank, which I assume the person has to get quite close to you, then, yeah, really, it's all your fault for being such a puff. So why don't you stop whinging and cheer the fuck up? Eric, I really wouldn't respond. Yeah, take take your lumps and keep it moving. I love it. And he hands him the, like, the, he gives him, like, the browning high power and he's like... Here you go, and he's like, "You want some dum dums, like hollow points?" Yeah. And he's like, "I know I shouldn't, but I will." <laughs> like it's just like he's like he's shopping. It's like, but I will, and he takes the entire box. And he's like, "Yeah." Right. I love that Ex that exchange between them. I want to I want to see Yuri again in another movie. Yeah. He's a good character. Um, they, they get so well. Harry shows up. He's he's in Bruges proper. He meets mm -hmm. up with um, Ken, and they're sitting down having a drink. And it's like almost like it's, I like this the, the scene in movies where like the hero and the villain sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. It's like there's like this there's like that mutual respect, mm -hmm. like the Batman and Joker, oh, yeah. or I, there's so many examples of this, yeah. and it's the same same here. And but what I can never get away from after seeing all the Harry Potter films, yeah. If you're a Harry Potter film or a Harry Potter fan and you're listening to this, basically it's Mad Eye Moody. Who's Brendan Gleeson, and Ray Fiennes is Lord Voldemort, and for like a minute and a half straight, Mad Eye Moody is calling Lord Voldemort a cunt. Yeah, in so many <laughs> and ways. His kids, and his kids, kids are cunts. <laughs> Let's face it, I'm, I'm not being funny. I mean, no disrespect, but you're a cunt. You're a cunt now. You've always been a cunt, and the only thing that's going to change is you're going to become an even bigger cunt. Maybe have some more cunt kids. Leave my kids fucking out of here. What have they done? You fucking retract that bit about my cunt fucking kids. I retract that bit about your cunt fucking kids. Insulted my fucking kids? That's going overboard, mate. I retracted it, didn't I? Still leaves you being a cunt. You're fucking got that. It's the funniest fuck. That's, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Is, well, is that little dialogue I think bit. The, the, what's, what's really underrated about the movie is, is its cinematography. Because it, some of it seems does seem kind of just basic but at the same time like the creativity and like the, the just how gorgeous and i think part of it's the city itself mm -hmm. that really helps him it's a great backdrop yeah sure is, it's gorgeous and the way that they that he shoots or some of these di the dialogue is portrayed and some of these conversations are shot is is gorgeous like the whole conversation between those two that scene is so beautifully lit and i really wish i could use that specific scene to show uh um, you know how to light a scene properly and how to show a like you know a shot in reverse mm -hmm. to the students but the dialogue is so off like off color that i can't show it to my students to show it with no with no audio yeah drop the audio off out but it's and, it, uh... it's it's beautifully lit and i love the conversation that he has and there's actually i wrote a note when he's talking about um and i honestly i go i think about this sometimes too like just in my own life and 
if I'm ever feeling depressed or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody everybody feels down sometimes. Sure. And, but he's he's talking to me. He's like, the kid's suicidal. And he's like, he's like, he's suicidal. He's like, you're suicidal. I'm suicidal. We're all fucking suicidal. We don't all keep going on about it, though. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. I was like, that's so true. Like, everybody's got their own. I didn't see it as like, oh, everybody's suicidal. But, like, everybody's got their own issues. But, right. you know, we don't all keep going on about it. Like, you know, suck it up kind of deal. And I love that. Yeah, like, sometimes I remember that when I think about it. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I feel like that, I was like, yeah, that's true. Everybody's going through their own shit. Sure. So why why do I, I, I don't need to keep going on about it. I just need to shut up and move, you know? Right, right, right. Um, that the whole scene, the whole exchange is, is so good. And I, I also, I just also just always love the mutual respect when two mm-hmm. opposing forces sit down and, and talk because they know like, like the, the bomb is going to go up eventually, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk about it first. And yeah. Oh yeah. He's, um, what he's talking about the kids. He's like, he's like, he killed a kid. He's like, right. he's, well, he's like, well, first, the ring is like, well, the boy has the capacity to change. The boy has the capacity to be something better than than himself. And he's like, he's like, I have the capacity to change. He's like, I, he's like, yeah, you do have the capacity to change. You have the capacity to get fucking worse. <laughs> I was like, damn. And that's so funny because they're sitting down. Yeah, like, you know, opposites. They're, you know, they're built, they're basically, what's the word? Not villains, but they're, they're the protagonist and antagonist, if you will. They're finally meeting. You know, sitting sure. across from each other and they're just they're taking jabs at each other but still keeping it respectful yeah in a sense like they're, they're not a, they're not freaking out and in, in having a shootout in the middle of all these uh people on holiday as he says and it's good though because you can tell that there is a a level of respect there is mm-hmm. built on years and probably decades mm-hmm. of, of trust and friendship mm-hmm. or whatever how well, you i think call the, it. this that goes back to his his um sense of honor as convoluted as, as you know ridiculous as it may be sure he still feels that like he's not gonna you know go off half cocked on this dude he's gonna sit down with him talk mm-hmm. to him figure out what happened and then make a decision based off of that even though he's he, he had it in the back of his mind that he was gonna kill ray or kill kent anyway yeah but he he's gonna sit down and be respectful still because it deserves it yes and that's that's i just love that that uh, uh, mm-hmm. exchange. Yeah. Um, well, they go to the tower because he's like, "Hey, let's go. Let's let's, go let's do it up in the tower." He's like, "Hey, you think I'm not? He's like, you think I'm gonna have a shootout around all these people?" <laughs> right, right. And then the so we circle back. Mm-hmm. Now we have that same ticket taker guy yeah. from the tower, and then you hear about you hear about the American who had the heart attack. Yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a good like Come, ties back full circle. Yeah, full circle to that whole bit. That was pretty funny. And then this t- this ticket taker guy just decides to poke jab, yeah, poke Harry in the forehead repeatedly. It's what, 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 why was it? So it was closed. Yeah, like the tower is closed. That's why it's closed early because the American had the heart attack. Yeah, he's like the tower is closed. Yeah, <laughs> like the tower is closed. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, and you That's... you just know, and then you see like you see Ken like slowly like bring the chains out. In the background, and he just like straight pistol whips him to, into submission. He knew that Harry wasn't going to stand by. Take that. No. no, and like no. I knew he was going to take that, but I was wondering, I was like, what is he going to do? Is he going to shoot him, or is he going to beat his ass? Uh, he, he beat the shit out of him. Oh, and then, so um, and then, well, while, it, while they're there, 
Eric runs by and he sees that they're at the tower, mm-hmm. and that plays into well, later. Yeah, and then even even then, at that same time, Ray is get, getting out of jail because Chloe bailed him out. They're in that same park, or in that same kind of yeah courtyard. I don't know yeah. what to put it, way to put it, but they're in the same open air area. And it's you know they're all just they're they're really just like meters from each other, mm-hmm. and you know kind of and that's when they they meet the the little guy again, dressed yeah. up like a school kid. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and they have they have their own dialogue too while they're while Ken and and Harry are walking up the stairs. They they flat they cut to those dudes having the dialogue talking about you know. Yeah, those are simultaneous. Yeah, they're occurring at the same time. And. Uh... And he's like, I would. He's like, you know, I'd find it. He's like, I'm sorry for karate chopping you. And he's like, well, I'd find it a lot easier to believe you if you weren't laughing at my fucking face. Yeah, that whole bit was really. He's funny. like, it's for the goddamn movie, man. He's dressed up like, like, like a little, little school elf kid. or like something. Like a school kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh man, but but it's funny because they because uh, uh, Harry and Ken they just missed Ray. Mm-hmm. That, oh yeah, they were in that same little little park yeah. area, and. Uh, I was wondering what I wondering when the other shoe was gonna drop mm-hmm. because I know that because now Ken thinks that that Ray has left town. Yeah, he told Harry that Harry so now probably thinks that. Mm-hmm. But where is Ray? Yeah, right there. And then <laughs> so after well, Harry and and Ken have this ex, uh, other exchange up on the in, up in it's the a tower. Very, like, it's extremely like intimate dialogue between the two where he's like I don't he's like you know I love uh, he tells me he's like I love you man like right 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 like you have the sense of honor and this dedication to it and I respect you and I love you for it yeah and then Ray Harry's, finds yeah. Ray finds like well now I can't fucking shoot you can I yeah. you know you said all that stuff and I shoots him in the leg well, yeah going like a little bit before that that part when uh, he's like alright and he pulls his gun out and the guy sets his gun down and, and Ken sets his gun out and scoots it forward. He's like, yeah. he's like, Ken, pick up the gun. I know you. I just, I know I'm gonna win because you're a fucking spaz. <laughs> it's just like I love that line for some reason. But yeah, and then although he shoots him in the leg, he's like, well, he's like, he's like, you think I'm not gonna do anything? What are you doing? What are you fucking doing? I'm not fighting anymore, Harry. All right, then I'm blowing your fucking head off. I don't come over all gandy. What are you fucking doing? Ken, stop messing about, please. Pick up your gun. I know I'm going to beat you anyway, because you're a spaz, but... Harry. I'm totally in your debt. Things that have gone between us in the past. I love you unreservedly for all that. For your integrity. For your honour. I love you. The boy had to be let go. The boy had to be given a chance. I have to do that. I had to say, fuck you, and fuck what I owe you, and fuck everything that's going on between us. And that's what I had to do. But I'm not fighting you. And I accept totally everything you've got to do. I accept it, totally. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
Well, you say all that fucking stuff, I can't fucking shoot you now, can I? It's entirely up to you, Harry. It's entirely your call. All I'm saying is, I'm not fighting. I think it's funny because like there's some they're like these good they have these they have this very interesting dynamic and like they respect each other so much but he still shoots him in the leg. Yeah, you can't get him off scot free. You still like yeah. didn't do what I told you to do. Mm -hmm. and so it, this and is my that, way of keeping you in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at that time, that's when Eric sees, because he's, he's, I guess, he's essentially keeping watch for them, what it looks like. I, I think it was just, like, happenstance. Yeah. Because he happened to see them go into the tower, and they happened to bump into Ray and Chloe. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Harry's in town to fucking kill Ray. Mm -hmm. Let me go back. I just saw him in the tower. And then Harry is, like, helping Ken down the stairs. Yeah. I, I know I just shot you in the leg. You're limping, so I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna do a nice guy thing. I'm gonna mm -hmm. help you down the stairs, <laughs> yeah. and um, so Ray or uh, uh, Eric comes up and just squeals. Oh, Ray! Oh, he's here. He's 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 down at the bar. He's down at the pub. Yeah, he's having a beer, and that just infuriates. Oh yeah, and then Harry. Like, and then Ken knows. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, and then he reaches for his gun. They both reach for their gun and do their whole little fight. Who's that? It's Eric. The blind boy? Yeah. Uh, yes. What do you fucking want? The guy you're looking for. The guy Ray. He's downstairs at the bar. I'm sorry, Ken, but you can't kill a kid and expect to get away with it. You just can't. This is the part of the movie that I, you know, after Harry was able to fire that second shot on Ken that ends up mortally-ish wounding him. Right. Um, th this part of the movie is where I... This, it's this one segment that I just can't stand, or I can't get it. Kind of, I can't, I can't get past it. Really, it's the when he shoots him and he starts running down the stairs. So like as uh, as Harry's running down the stairs to Eric, and then they keep going down more stairs. It takes them like two forever, like forever, yeah. to get out into the courtyard while Ken is dragging himself. I mean, you don't know how far down they went, but he's dragging himself up, up. The stairs. Yeah, with two gunshot wounds. Yeah, two gunshot wounds, and is able to stand up on the ledge, which I again to the music and everything. I thought that scene where um, Ken is kind of like buttoning up his suit and making himself look good, mm -hmm. and he's dropping the coins to kind of like let everybody know right, right, that right. something get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And he drops and he hits the ground and is able to talk to, you know, have that like few seconds of dialogue before he dies with. Ray and Harry still isn't out the door. It's Harry's still coming down the steps. Yes, and that's the only thing. Is like, man, how tall? Either that tower, that tower must be tall as shit, 
or right. there's some pacing issues here. I think that was cause I noticed that last viewing I had of this movie, I was like, is he ever gonna get down the fucking stairs? Ready? Yeah. Like, where the fuck did he go? Yeah, and, like collateral. The dude ran down like 16 flights of steps, moments behind an elevator. Yeah, and he was he was there. Yeah, caught up no problem. But here, you know, they're going down you know a wooden spiral staircase and. Like it just—it's just, like that's the only part that kind of threw me. Is just the the pacing was definitely off at that yeah. point in the movie. But other than that, I man, mean, that that scene where the, the he hits the ground, Ken Ken's body hits oh, the ground, and the blood packs just explode <laughs> under his body. Yeah, <laughs> so and, bloody. And that whole thing happens where he just gives him a warning, and then <coughs> that, that chase ensues. Yeah, and then the chase was really funny because they go back to the hotel because <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't he find, his, find gun. his gun. Yeah, and um, what's that girl's name? The one who runs the place. Mm-hmm. She's basically she tells Marie, I think is her name in the Marie. Movie. Yeah, she basically tells Harry to go get fucked. Like, oh, I'm not yeah, letting it's you like, upstairs. So you guys can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and and so he like, all right, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go through you, am I, with your baby, you know? I'm a nice person, but could we just get out the fucking way, please? Marie! Just let him come up, it's okay. Harry! Swear not to start shooting until she's left the hotel. I swear not to start shooting until she's left the hotel. I totally swear. Well, I'm not going anywhere. This is my hotel. So you can fuck off. I suppose you got a gun up there. Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? We can't stand here all night. Why don't you both put your guns down and go home? Don't be stupid. This is the shootout. Harry, I've got an idea. What? My room faces onto the canal, right? I'm going to go back to my room, jump into the canal, and see if I can swim to the other side and escape. All right. If you go outside and round the corner, you can shoot at me from there and try and get me. That way we leave this lady and her baby out of the whole entire thing. You completely promised to jump in the canal. I don't want to run out there, come back in ten minutes and find you fucking hiding in a cupboard. I completely promise, Harry. Not going to risk having another little kid die, am I? So, hang on, I go outside, then I go which way, right or left? You go right, don't you? You can see it from the doorway. It's a big fucking canal. All right, Jesus, I've only just got here, haven't I? OK, on the count of one, two, three, go, OK? OK. What? Who says it? Oh, you say it. You guys are crazy. Are you ready? Ready. Set? Set. One, two, three, go! So they, they so they agree to like meet outside and he gets so he follows Harry f- follows Ray, shoots Ray, gets him in the chest from a very Far distance with a yeah, pistol. Yeah, it's a long shot for a pistol. Like for a center mass shot, even still, like that's a long shot, and he's shooting hollow points at him. So, I mean, I don't want to be too um, na- naggy on the ballistics and the, the probability here, but that was a pretty good, shot, pretty lucky shot. I mean, and he only fired once too. Yeah, Harry knows what he's doing apparently, and but then he, but yeah, so Ray limps, drags himself to the the movie lot where we, of course. Because the little person is shooting mm-hmm. the movie, and he's in his little outfit, and then yeah, Looks Ray, like a little person. And, and basically, it, basically, it was the same thing that happened to Ray happened to Harry, where mm-hmm. he shot through his intended yeah. target, 
and shot someone behind past and, him. And it's it, interesting if you watch the, the the characters. So he's going through that movie set, and there's all these people dressed up in outfits. You know, people dressed up as rats and soldiers and all kinds of random, you know, characters. They're dressed up as characters from the paintings he was watching. He was looking at. Mm. Yeah, I'd never caught that. So it's like he's walking it through purgatory. Like he's walking into it. Really? Yeah. I gotta watch it again now. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And uh, you know, going back to the whole conversation he's having with Harry in the hotel, I think it's probably another like bit of just like comedy gold in the midst of all of this action, where there, she's like, "Why don't you guys put your guns home and go or put put, put, your, put your guns down and go home." And he's like, "Don't be stupid. Like, this is the shootout." <laughs> like, yeah. like he's like, love, like he's living for this moment." Yes. And then, and then they're like, "He's like, there's a river outside. I'm gonna jump." And he's like, "All right. Well, if I don't, if I don't, if I go out there and I come back in there and find you hiding in a fucking cupboard," and he's like, yeah. "No, I promise, I'll jump." And then they they, they get they miscommunicate on the on the count and they're like, "It's boys playing cops and robbers." Yeah, it, exactly. It's that's it's what funny it is. It's so funny. And but yeah, and then. They get to that scene at the very end where he chases him down. and He actually lands more shots on him, right? On Ray, and the exact same thing happens with the with the priest where mm-hmm. he um, where he threw and throws him, and he ends up killing and the head explodes. The the, the, the dwarf, the yeah. midget, little person guy, you know whatever you, whatever they want to be called. Don't call them dwarves because they're all suicidal according to Ray. Right, right, right. <laughs> but. Yeah, and he, but I love that scene though. Still, even though as gruesome as that is, because you, I, you get to see just how black and white Harry is to his. Yeah. He blows his, his fucking brains out. And he tells him he's like, wait, he's like trying to tell him, wait, that's not a, it's not a kid. Yeah. And he's like, you gotta, he's like, you gotta stick to your principles, mate, and just, you know, like he said in the previous conversation, he's like, I would stick my my gun in the, in my mouth on the spot. And he did. He did. Yeah. And and nothing he, else. He stuck to his guns. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Stuck to his guns. And, <laughs> and then the you know him getting carted off. The way that that scene where the dialogue is written. Not only is it just a very ambiguous ending, because of what you're looking at, but if you listen to how he's talking, it's you can't tell if it's happening in the past or like or you can't tell if it's if it's happening like in the present. Or if it's in the future as if he's dead, or if it's in the future as if he's alive. Well, like he says, I wish I would have survived, or something. No, right? he's like, I hope, I, I hope I survive. Is that what he said? I could have yeah. swore he said because like there was a there's wish a whole, I had survived. There's a whole part in there at the end where he's talking about like he uses us in one sentence. He uses past and present tense, or past and future tense, to describe what's going on. Okay, it's like I, I, I gotta look this up because it's gonna. Last yeah. lines. Okay, this is what he says. Last lines. And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I re- really, really hoped I wouldn't die. Yeah. So, so is it's, he dead? Or is he? It's dead? never... Yeah, it's never it, clear. It, no, it's not clear. And, like, as he's being <laughs> carted away, though, it's he's seeing all these other characters, all the past characters, too. Yeah. And then you see in the background all the mm-hmm. the different costumed people from the movie set. So basically it's it's I feel it's it's Ray you know he did his time in purgatory you know like mulling over the sins of killing a, a child yeah and now he's facing deliverance mm-hmm. you know whether he went to heaven or hell that's up mm-hmm. to debate well, yeah whether he lived 
Or lived, yeah. yeah. That's... Like, where do you go from there? Like, what's next for you? Yeah. I don't, I don't know well, what... Yeah, and I... Jay, uh, he had to go back to court on Tuesday, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> for so, the, for, for punching the Canadian. Yep. <laughs> for heating him. Heating him in the face. The, um... When he is dead, or not dead, but speaking in that, in that tense, he still makes a jab at Bruges. Yeah. He's like, at least I still, at least I'm, I wouldn't be in fucking Bruges. That's right. Fucking like he still fucking Bruges. Still takes a jab even in that that the the darkest of times for him. Yeah, because because at least in prison and at least in death, you know, I wouldn't be in fucking Bruges. Yeah. I, I don't know why he's got such a fucking like like thing for Bruges. Like he really hates, hates this place. Mm-hmm. Like there's pubs, there's women, there's shit to do. Yeah. Like well, it's it's funny because he's I love what he's talking about in the beginning when he first gets there and he's like he's like I love Dublin. Like, oh, if I but if I'd grown up on a pub or on a I was like or if I'd grown up on a farm and was retarded, then Bruges might impress me. But I'm not, so it doesn't. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's it's, very very to the point and frank with all of his dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's and you know there's actually a scene too when when he, when Harry not Harry sorry uh, Ken makes the point about or the the, the quip that like oh well, I'm sure we'll strike a balance today between culture and fun and and then ray's like well i think it's going to tip in the balance in the balance of culture it's like a, like a big fat fucking retarded black girl on a seesaw <laughs> opposite a dwarf and like you look the, the, the camera shows ken and ken is like what the hell are you saying but like when he talks about like a big you know fucking dumb black girl who's retarded you can see in ken's face he's like you didn't like that lot that specific part of it yes and it's kind of foreshadowing to the the conversation he has all coked out, where he where it finally is revealed that his wife, wife was black. Yes, yes. And it's it's crazy how even, catch. yeah, catch. even just the littlest things that are said in that movie all tie in at the end. <sighs> it's nuts. Good film. I'm glad I went back to it. I'm glad I sat with it again and gave it a, another fair shake. Oh yeah. Um, that's good. What are you? Uh, Let's talk ratings. Oh yeah, no, I don't even need to see. I know what this rating is for me personally. I think this this movie's an A plus. Okay. Because I think there's I, there's the only negative thing I have about that movie is that just that one scene in the pacing of it with okay. the, the the stairwell. But I think the dialogue's probably some of the sharpest dialogue that's not from Quentin Tarantino. Fair. That I've that I've witnessed and, and gotten to hear in a long time. Um, the only other you know dialogue that I could imagine that was anywhere near that would be like, God, like Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. I mean that quality of that wild dialogue, even though The Clockwork Orange is like a mixed. It's a different kind of film. Yeah, yeah. but like the the, the but like I'm I've been thro- I even love Kevin Smith has pretty. Yeah, Sharp Kevin dialogue. Smith. Yeah, he's another one. He might not make the best films, but he's a pretty good writer. I'll give yeah, him that. But as far as like the living to people now who are, you know, writing their own movies, I, I think it's some of the best dialogue that I've ever heard next to a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's just I it's agree. so real sounding and feeling. So whenever they talk, I can imagine having the exact same conversation. I think it really. Because of the darkness and the subject matter, it really lends itself to a military audience too. Just because a lot of people in the military have this kind of 
obsession not a lot i should say but a lot I, I know a lot of people in the military you know my friends me included that have this kind of draw to dark humor i think it's part of just because of the nature that at the at the end of the day the nature of the job and yeah it yeah. it the darkness of it really is funny even like the punching a punching a dude and then punching a woman in the face because she's got a bottle like some people might see that as kind of off-putting but like I thought that was hilarious. I mean, it in so in your defense though, like um, and in the context of the scene it was shot in, like he he offend he was offensive with him, <laughs> the man, but was defensive and reactive to <laughs> the woman. And basically, it's it's like it's when you you paint yourself or back yourself into a corner and you get fed a shit sandwich, mm-hmm. what do you do to react to it? Yeah. And that's something, I, especially from like a military standpoint, I mean, that's, that's pretty universal as well. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets those boxed up moments, but like the military, we can easily identify with having our backs against the wall mm-hmm. and having to react in a way that's going to self-preservate mm-hmm. our own existence. Um <clears throat> That's not an absolute. No, that's just. That's just. It's it's very easy to relate to. Yeah, and so I think just because you know we've all, and again because you know being in the military, being around it a lot, you hear like dark humor is part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you're deployed or you're on ship or you're you know you spend you spend enough time just with you and the boys or you and the group of the, your unit. You get into some. You talk about a lot of really weird, dark subject matters, and you find the comedy in it. Like that's that comedy is one of the biggest ways that most people that I know cope with things. It's one of the biggest ways that I cope with things, and getting to see it played out. You know, this guy who's dealing with death in the way that he is. Yeah. In in the the comedy behind it still. Pain. Is the pain, pain is comedy. Yeah. It's tragedy. Comedy is what tragedy plus time. Probably. Yeah. Who said that? I don't know, but it's it's. It, don't <laughs> quote me on it because I didn't say it first, but I know it's from somebody else. <laughs> but you know, it's it's. But you can just you can relate to that style of comedy more, or I can at least when I watch sure. it. I respect that, and I, that's why I think I. So that's why for me, I that's, you know, that's how I can gauge if I'm gonna like a person or not. I'm I'm gonna go against the grain. Okay. Against well, not against the grain. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a B for me. Okay. Um, um, is stream city stream it um, and that's just because um, it uh, it's so subtle it's, it's it's a brilliant film I'm not mm-hmm. knocking the film down a peg from where it's at I think it's a great film the dialogue's really funny um, it is a couple of little things some of the pacing could have been tightened and I wish there was some characters I wish I had spent more time with mm-hmm. um my personal preference. Don't hate this movie at all. I'm glad I went back to it, and I would hope I would totally recommend it to other people. Mm-hmm. So, um, don't let my rating dismiss any ambitions to see it, folks. If you have the opportunity, please sit down, give and bruise your time. It's worth it. Yeah, I think it is, and I think it's to me, it's more than just a casual watch because of how because of all of the themes in the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're a fan of cinema and you you're a a student 
of cinema and storytelling through dialogue, I think it's a fantastic movie to to reference and to watch because it's, there's a lot of great scenes to, 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 to dissect, dissect and, and talk about and explore for sure. But yeah, maybe for the average, I can understand why it would why it would be a B because you know to the average person, it's it's a it's a there's a lot of nuance involved in this movie. And yeah. if you're if you don't have the time or the passion to you know give it the time, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's it's probably going to be like a kind of funny movie to some people because again, it's it's English humor as yeah. well. I and think to the American sensibility, the average American sensibilities for an average American audience, a lot of stuff will get mi- will get missed. Yeah, it's going to go right, It's going to go right over their heads. And because of that, it'll be easily dismissed as like, oh, it's just. A wannabe funny movie, or it's kind of slow, or they, or they they recognize it as oh, it's just another it's English it's English humor, and they just they they immediately and they and, and even because it's because of that they don't really know to call it that because they don't really know what English humor is. Yeah, they haven't seen. That just sound like like I'm some sort of pretentious super new. I mean, they just haven't. But, yeah, they haven't seen the other uh, British Office, the original, <laughs> the original, <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, that's that doesn't the same kind of as the American version. It's two different shows. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to throw in there about Mr. Imbruge, uh, Mr. Imbruge fan? No, it's one of my favorite movies, and it always will be. Hey, well, do you own it? I do. Then you can always watch it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll always be with you. So, um, well, folks, that's it for Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn this week. Uh, Imbruge, uh, if you've seen it, you know, let me know what you think. Um, it's a good one. It's definitely not one to pass up, especially if you are... If you are listening to a film podcast you should definitely take it upon yourself to explore these films because obviously you have an interest in them um that being said i want to uh, say thank you to andrew for stopping by and uh lending a great conversation to a really really great film and we will see you next time thanks guys Well, that's it, folks. I truly enjoyed chatting with Andrew about this modern classic. Next week, my friend Jocelyn comes back, and we chat about an indie staple. If you haven't already done so, follow and subscribe to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your podcast from. And thanks again for stopping by, guys. Until next time, take care. <laughs>